Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. What an amazing opportunity. Again, I say that every time that I got to have to sit down with Paul Nowak from Quad Graphics. Uh, Paul and I cover a lot of important topics uh, from uh, you know June being Pride Month and Paul as, as an out gay man in the printing and packaging industry. So we get to hear his story um, and, and learn from him about how his experience has shaped and formed who he is and the importance of having a plan and finding safety for uh, LGBTQ people within our industry. So you'll really want to listen to not just that, but the incredible insights that he has uh, when it comes to packaging and how his experience has shaped his ability to solve problems and, and the importance of the culture at a company like Quad, uh, who has not just you know been accepting, but has also elevated him to uh, some pretty cool positions and given him some just incredible opportunities. So this is my interview with Paul Nowak. All right, I'm here with Paul. Now, am I going to say no, Novak, or how do you say your last name? I should have even Nowak. asked before. Novak. Nowak. Yeah. See, I took I took German in high school. A Polish pronunciation would be a V. Novak. Novak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Novak. We're going with the the yeah. American the American version here. Yes. Paul Novak of Quad Graphics, and I'm I'm incredibly excited and honored to be able to. Uh, share Paul's story, and I think that you're going to really enjoy, as as a listener, you're re- really going to uh, enjoy Paul's story as we've talked prior to this uh, to this call. So I'm excited to get into it. But Paul, first of all, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and what it is that you do at Quad, and then we'll get into uh, some questions. We'll do. Uh, thanks for having me on. First off, I appreciate it. Um, so. What I do at Quad currently is very different from where I started, but I'll start kind of with today. Currently, I'm the vice president of Enterprise Solutions, and I specialize in packaging. So for me, my joke is I'm really just a packaging nerd that they gave a super fancy title to. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, And what does that mean? Enterprise Solutions is really the scope of all of the solutions we offer and how we solve problems for clients. So it's a really fun job, but it drops me into all different things. So for example, I could be on a brand launch that has not even looked at their packaging yet and helping determine not only the best packaging, but how to get from A to B in one place, piece, how to look at the marketing around it, um, how to look at the consumer experience, or I can be very into one piece of the puzzle, like how is coding affecting filling on a, on a machine at one of our clients? So yeah. it's really that whole scope but that happened in 27 years that, you know, I just didn't drop into that. Yeah. But a really, really fun position. I feel uh, a lot of gratitude that this is something mm-hmm. I get to get up and do every day that, and I'm big into like, I get to, you yeah. know, like I get to do this and come and come at it with gratitude uh, that I can sit with clients and solve problems. So currently that really is the space I work. That's in. awesome. There was a, um, when I was in Fort Collins, Colorado, cause I went to, uh, Colorado State University, which is the Harvard of the Rockies. And <laughs> when I was there, uh, I met a gentleman who his title was the director of fun at New Belgium Brewing. And I asked him, I said, what is it that you do? Because I was there as like a, a business student. 
And he said, do you see this, this swirly slide from the top to the bottom? I make sure that it's fun going from the top level down to the bottom level. So I installed a swirly slide. Uh, so it sounds like you have not not a not the title director of fun, but you have equal <laughs> amounts of joy and passion and what you're doing. So that's I, cool. I do. I call myself a packaging nerd, but generally you could just drop packaging and just, <laughs> and just nerd. And I, I really feel like in the world today with all the content, it kind uh -huh. of is the time of the nerd or the culture of the nerd. So that's right. I, I'm glad that I timed it at the right space. That's so cool. So 27 years. So what, um, you know, this is about people and packaging. So what's the, uh, what's your path been like then up to, up to this point? So, uh, you know, you can tell from your accent that you're from Texas <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or the Midwest. Uh, Born and bred in, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee to be specific. Okay. Got it. So uh, Packers then, is that the... It nope. is it, it, definitely a Packers fan, um, but I'm not a huge sports guy. And so, yeah. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about the industry. Um, there are tons of people who are great at uh, into sports and they're going to have their favorite teams. Uh, I, I sometimes felt like an outsider with that. And as I opened up more to being a nerd and talking about comic books or Dungeons and Dragons or oh, yeah. things, things I was into, I kind of found my tribe. And I think uniquely in packaging, I was more able to do that. You know, yeah. you get a group of engineers together and start talking Game of Thrones. I mean, nothing's going to get done, right? <laughs> so, awesome. so, so yes, I enjoy the Packers uh, from being from Wisconsin, but I would tell you my my passion lies in different directions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's fair. I've yeah. you're the first one. You're the first. This will be one of many times I think I'll say this, but you would be I think the first person that I've met who's born and raised in Wisconsin, who's like, ah, the Packers are just okay. I feel the same way, by the way, about the Denver Broncos and about NFL <laughs> in general, is I'm just kind of like, ah, it's okay. So, okay, so you were born and raised in, in Milwaukee, and how did you get into packaging? That's you don't, ac people don't accidentally become packaging nerds, so. No, you know, it was interesting for me. I was working in retail, um, and I what I did really is I went from store to store and helped set up new stores in like, uh, a box store setting for contractors. So think of like a, like a Home Depot type of situation okay. and was really just getting burnt out on it. And I had a friend who worked in a packaging plant. I didn't even know what packaging was. You know, I didn't know it was an industry. I didn't know there were careers in it, but I knew that I wanted to get out. And this was, I was 21. I mm -hmm. knew I wanted to get out of retail and get into something new and I needed to, to make money and pay mortgage. So they said, come on in, you know, we'll interview you. So really my, my first position in packaging was on a folding lure for a folding carton plant. And we were inspecting for quality defects. And I was hired as a town. So I wasn't hmm. even fully, I wasn't given the job. They were like, oh, we don't know about this guy. Let's give him a trial run. Yeah. So started as a temp and, you know, it was one of these things where my mind just kind of started to expand. Like, well, of course this is an industry. I go in the stores, I use packaging every day. How did I not know this? Right. And then I started looking at like all the careers, like, well, I'm just, I'm in folding and gluing and it's super important, but there's die cutting, there's print, there's the marketing aspect, there's the pricing aspect, there's a procurement. So it's like my brain just started to go like, wow, this, this could be kind of cool. But yeah. what sealed the deal for me was everyone was really solution oriented. 
You know, okay. like, and, and you've, you've lived this, you know, like, hey, right. there's this problem and client has this. Generally, the first thing is like, well, let's figure it out. You know, how, how are we going to fix this? It's not, it's not like some other industries where I would say, well, that's just how it is and it's how we've always done it. It's right. a very solid-based industry where you get teams of people together to look at it. That, that, that hooked me. You yeah. know, that, that you could play a part in that even as an entry-level person. Um, so what really started to happen, and I feel really fortunate, it wasn't a plan. I started to move into different departments. So I went from finishing into logistics and I went from logistics into customer service where you, where you would take the orders. Then I was in estimating for a little bit. Then I was in scheduling for a little bit. Then I started managing groups of people. Um, and then I moved into more of a consultative sales role where I had been in so many different positions I had the foundation and the bandwidth to maybe be able to offer something and, and speak yeah. to it. And really for the last 10 years, that's what I've been doing at different levels, whether it be sustainability, new project launches, um, all a, a whole list of things I will not only solve, but many times I don't know the solution, but I know the teams that do. And frankly, even if it's not in quad, we will we'll give it to someone else. And that's another yeah. thing I, I love about the industry. It's like, if if we don't fit, we know someone who does, even if it's a competitor, and I'd rather have you win. You yeah. know, like if, if I'm really going to partner with you, that win needs to come through. So um, the network that you create in packaging, I think is very unique because people yeah. seem really open to helping one another. And that's another thing, like as I grew in the industry, I can't really imagine myself in another industry. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I've I've uh, I've said this a couple of times actually on on LinkedIn, uh, which is really where I spend most of my my social media time. <laughs> and you know, I've just thought I don't know how many different times I've told people, "Hey, we're actually a really bad fit for you with this," and and you need to talk to this this competitor, whoever it yeah. might be. And and the more often that uh, that that you do that, you realize. Not only are you gaining a friend internally in the industry, someone who's like, wow, this is this is really great. Cause yeah, you're right. This is actually a really good fit for us. And then it's 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 really it's a powerful union, I think, of of a good customer with a good supplier. And now everybody's winning. Whereas if it was me and my company and it was a bad fit, now we've got an upset customer and <laughs> we've lost money. And now everybody's every like I just I've never quite understood this like hoarding mentality of I just have to I have to try to make everything happen. It's like, no, it's OK. It's a broad yeah. enough industry for us to say, hey, that's just not that's not our cup of tea. And, and there's enough for everyone. Right. It, there's abundance in the world. So I think it's this thinking in other industries of that. If someone there has to be a win lose. Right. For me to win, someone has to lose. And mm -hmm. I, I think what I've seen in packaging specifically is we want to all win and we want our clients to win. And so when we're being authentic, we're going to show up and say that that's not a fit, but at least let me help you find a fit. And yeah. I do believe that's unique to our industry. Yeah. And how long have you been at Quad then? Has that been the, the whole? I really, it's, it's so that first company where I started as a temp was acquired by Quad in December of 2013. So I've really okay. been in theory, in the same organization <laughs> my whole career. But the, the thing that happened at Quad was um, when we were acquired, so Quad is a really large uh, printer 
So mm-hmm. magazine, catalog, marketing solutions, photography, you know, multi-billion dollar organization. Yep. And as, as you start to see print evolving and changing because of the digital space, um, and some forms of the print quad was known for at their core uh, reducing, they said, you know, why wouldn't we use our DNA of what we're really good at and start to go into other spaces? So packaging right. became just really a natural evolution and offshoot. So being in Wisconsin, uh, the organization I worked for was acquired. And initially, you know, I think they just wanted to get to know everyone. Quad has a, a great culture of, you know, I, we all wear blue uniforms at work. And okay. it's really, it's to show our togetherness that we all put on our pants and uniforms the same way. But it's really blue because it's the it's the press person's uniform. It looks like a press person's uniform and your name's on it and the logo. And I really like that because it was yeah. like, whether you're the CEO or a VP or working on a press, we're really all in this together. Hmm. So when Quad uh, acquired us and we got to know each other, they said, we think you can do more, which which was very flattering. And I, I was scared to death because I was like, can I? You know, because right, right. yeah, this is a huge company. Now I went from a, you know, a multi-million dollar company I was working for to a multi-billion dollar company. Um, and they, they've kept, kept me going. They've kept challenging me and giving me new roles. And so, um, I, I've really been with quad since December of 2013 when, when okay. they did the acquisition, but the same, but the same job for, uh, for a while. And that's, that's cool. Yep. And I, I think that I, I said today, actually, uh, I was on a, uh, I was on a walk with my wife and I told her, I said, uh, I think that culture is the most expensive mistake a company can make. Um, and we were talking about one of her friends who was really struggling with something at, at her job. And, um, you know, it's it's so it's so critical. And that that what a what an amazing testimony just as you're you know, as you're talking about, we we are all we're, we're all together in this um, in this company. And I, I think I think that's it's not only powerful in in that how they're kind of showing it. And but but even even it seems like as uh as they as they have looked for talent and how they have brought people together, um, especially in the printing and packaging industry, where that's not always the case. Um, that's that that's pretty awesome. And um, you know, it's something that that I know I want I want to maybe pivot and get into because you and I have 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 talked about this already. We've had a pre-call conversation, um, and and it was interesting because when you when you told me. And when we were talking about like, well, what, what's your story? Well, you know, why do you, you know, what, what, what is it that you want to share on the podcast? It's not like we're getting, you know, Richard Branson and Joe Rogan on the podcast, but you know, we just want to know what, what, what are people wanting to share? And, and when you told me kind of more about your story, your personal story, I was like, oh man, yeah, this is, I was racking my brain going, I don't know if I could have anybody else on that I know in my network and I have a pretty decently sized network. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I, why don't you kind of, you can maybe lay out the conversation, how that, how that went with us. And, and then we can dive into that area of your life and, yep. and kind of talk about that. Yeah, I'm happy to. So one of the things, you know, I want to take a step back in my career and yeah. say, you know, one of the things I started to recognize early on, and I, I would call it providence, I didn't seek it out, was um, there were certain situations in my career that I felt like I wasn't excelling in. Like mm-hmm. I, I had ideas that I thought were really good, but I wouldn't say them in a meeting. 
or um, I had something that like a project that I thought we could push forward, but I wouldn't go talk to the people about it. So I had to dig into that and say, you know, what's that about? And what, what really came out for me was I wasn't being authentic. You know, mm. I wasn't authentically showing up for my career. And really the reason I was doing that is I, um, I'm an out gay man. And at the time I wasn't an out gay man. So this would be in the early 90s. Um, and if you go back to the early 90s and you think about what was happening, you know, HIV and AIDS were, were still really large uh, in the scope of things. Mm -hmm. And you, you needed to have a job. You weren't sure if you'd be able to promote as, as an out gay person. Right. Um, I had my own personal issues with you know, internalized homophobia, you know, that like I might just look at someone and think, well, they're not going to accept me. So I'm not going to open up yeah. about who I am. And I think the, the one of the turning points for me was, and we talked about this, I came in after a great weekend with my husband, you know, had an amazing weekend. And and people were asking me, like, what did you do? And I was like, I wasn't telling them. I was I was really editing myself. Yeah. Um, and saying, like, it was great. We did some stuff, you know, like, and I had to stop myself and, and say, this is the block. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my career block. This is my life block. And I have to make some choices, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a daily choice for me to show up and tell my story. And that's why I, I talked to you and said, this is a story I think I'd like to tell. Yeah, to for sure. Me. It's Pride Month. Uh, so those who don't know, we uh, celebrate pride based on the Stonewall Uprising in 1969 in New York City, where a group of gays, lesbians, transgenders stood up and said, we're not going, they protested, fought back with the police and said, we're not gonna deal with this anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's the term pride comes from that space that we're gonna show pride in who we are. And I personally at the time in the early nineties, wasn't showing that, wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't showing it to myself, wasn't even allowing people the choice to get to know me. Um, so I started slowly at first, really starting to have that conversation. But what I did is I never stopped the room and said, let's have a conversation. I just stopped editing myself. Yeah. So what'd you do this weekend? My husband and I did this. Oh my God, your husband, you know, so I yeah. had that, 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 what does that mean? Or they would just go blank or they wouldn't know right. what to say. Um, so, and I can tell you that that can happen today still. I'm you sure. Know? So the, the no process, of, yeah, the process of coming out goes throughout your life. Mm -hmm. So uh, you talked about quad and what, so when quad acquired us, I kind of had to go through that whole decision again, you know, like, how open am I? So right away, I just put it on the table in my first meetings. And, you know, to my, I would say surprise to a certain extent because of my own internal issues with it, people were like, that's fine. You know, let's talk about how that's a benefit, you know, to us as an organization. Diversity yeah. of thought in an organization. So if you look at the business needs for diversity of thought, like I said, I was editing myself. When I stopped editing myself, I brought unique diversity of thought to a problem or a solution in our company or to a client that I wouldn't have done before. That isn't going to be the same as yours, Adam, right? It yep. isn't going to be the same as a person of color. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't going to be the same as a female. It isn't going to be the same as a white male. And so I started to allow that to breathe. And what I found was that's when I started to promote. That's when they, I started to get promotions in the company. Because I was just like, I can't, the energy of this, I can't do anymore. Um, and mentorship, I think, is another great thing in our industry. And I was lucky enough to have a mentor 
who we talked and, and she was always really just that chill person who seemed like she had it all together. You know, those people we look up to and say like, wow, that's who I want to be when I grow up, like super chill, like yeah. super talented. And so I took her on the side and I'm like, how do you do it? Like, how, do, how are you that person? And she's like, oh, I'm not, I'm just tired of, I'm tired. I, I can't do this anymore. Like, so I'm, I'm tired. I'm not going to put energy into it. So I, she said, I had to get tired enough to let it go before I could like realize it. And for me, that was a real light bulb moment of, okay, am I tired enough? Right. You know, uh, of right. spend, think of how much energy you would spend, you know, and, and LGBTQ for me, when you look at the differences of even what's happening with the protests today for Black Lives Matter, I can show up and not necessarily out myself and be in a group of very similar looking white males of a certain age. And maybe, you know, they just assume I'm heterosexual and we can have very different conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, a person of color can't do that. A female can't do that. You know, right. that, that's a really different experience. So again, diversity of experience, I think we need all of those to in a business to build a better mousetrap or a better solution. Yep. But where I was going with that is there was times I felt like the, a Spock, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm in this room. And, uh, you know, there were times not in my current position or my current uh, place of work where people would say things because they didn't know I was gay um, that were pretty harsh. Right. You know, I can and, imagine. Yeah, and then later, like they might find out a month later I was gay and they'd be, you, they'd be like, can I talk to you? Right. You know, the, the, not everyone. Some people would just shut me out. But can I talk to you? Hey, I thought about what I said. If I'm not open to those conversations, there's no change. This is my opinion. Like, yeah. if, if I don't put myself out there to have a conversation, to be out, to then talk to people like explain pride, explain what it was in the 90s with HIV and AIDS, explain my experience. If I'm not willing to do that how can I expect it to get better for the next generation or for other people? Right. And and I think that it's, especially as we're talking about matters of diversity and inclusion in within the, the printing and packaging space, uh, it seems to be that my, my own personal experience has been, it's not, it's not a, it's not a hot button topic. There's it's in more, in other industries, it's, it's much more, broadly discussed and um you know i'm hopeful that even through something like a a packaging podcast that we can elevate the conversation not just because it, it would it would be enough if it was just a good thing to do if it was a right thing to do by humanity to yeah. treat people with with worth and value and dignity uh just intrinsically um and then you add on top of that every single study that shows diversity and inclusion of thought at, at the leadership levels, you make more money, you make better decisions, you innovate faster, you can pivot faster. Uh, uh, a homog the homogeny, is that a word? Homogenous. Homogenous, there it is. Uh, a homogenous leadership tends to just only look at the problems from the one angle and then you get groupthink and then, yep. you know, on These and on. These are your on. lenses, right? These are, your, you can only see through your lenses. <laughs> yep. Yep. hundred. Yeah. That's, that's, it's totally true. Um, so I, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, I, I appreciate you just sharing and saying that because I think that 
as as you know significantly better than I would, there are there are people, um, men and women, who would listen to this and go, you know what, I need to reach out to Paul because they might even be struggling to to be out. I mean, I do in, get those at, calls. I'm sure I'm sure you do, <laughs> or or you know at, through LinkedIn or through an email yeah, or whatever but, it is, and just hey, I'm I'm in the packaging industry and I'm not quite sure. What, what to do, um, you know, yeah, and it's, so. It's your career, right? I mean, so if you go like hierarchy of need thinking and you go to your foundation and you don't feel safe, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing beyond that you do. You're still in that base. And so a lot of the discussions I have with people who are not out at work and considering, considering coming out are just around basic safety. Um, and my, my first thing there is like, you have to take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not here to to get on the mountaintop and preach to you about coming out. Your experience is your experience. And if you don't feel safe and you have bills to pay, I get it. Yeah. But what I would challenge you on or I would ask you to think through is what's the impact of that on you and your life? You know, what is the amount of energy you're spending editing yourself and not being authentic? Mm-hmm. Um, and And frankly, if you really feel like in your space, you can't do that, stay where you are, make make the money you need to make to pay your bills and, and have a plan. Right. Like leave, get some education. Uh, you know, I'm not out here to say if I, everyone's going to have the positive experience I've had at a quad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the funny stories I think is funny. So um, our COO at quad really um, is steeped in print. He comes from print. Um and we bonded at one point over, I'm Polish. So I, I'm, I'm gay, I'm a nerd, I'm a Polak, which is what I'm calling myself. Grew up on the South Side in Milwaukee, very blue collar. And as we got to know each other, on paper, if you looked at Tom, our CEO, if you looked at him, you would think we're not gonna get along. Mm-hmm. You know, like just just if, if, if we just met on the street, what would that look like? And I tell you, he's been one of the most, open and supportive people I've had, but I had to give them a chance. Yeah. And there was a risk there. I'm not saying that, I mean, you don't know. Um, I've had a really good experience with it, but what I, when I talk to people about the possibility of coming out and not feeling safe, you do have to look at your house and put it in order and make sure you're safe in what you do. I never would say to someone, just do it like and be flippant about it. Right. You know, there's risk. I mean, there's violence, you know, that can happen to you. You know, it, it it's it's something you have to really think through. But again, I would say, look at the, the cost it's maybe taking on you that you haven't examined and then have a plan. Yeah. You know, like, where do you get, how do you get to a place where you are safe in being who you are? And if it's not your current organization, um, you know, how, how do you get to a different organization that does? There's plenty of organizations that are posting their um, equality ratings and mm-hmm. you can go online and you can see who has a great quality rating or who has um, groups about LGBTQ employees. Uh, I mean, that's a, a that's a place to look. For me, like like you were saying, the packaging industry isn't known necessarily for being like this bastion of inclusion and diversity. Sure. I love it so much in packaging. I'm okay being one of the people that helps change that. And yeah. I just, I'm, I'm hopeful more people will continue to do that. And I'm very heartened by seeing 
in the last five to 10 years events I go to, you're seeing more people of color. You're seeing more females. I mean, the, the female group in leadership is really starting to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll have their own stories and their own difficulties that I don't fully know. I can, I can be an ally. And that's, yeah. that's my goal is to be allies for those groups. But um, my story and being able to work on this piece of it, there's plenty of work on our plate on LGBTQ in our industry. So mm-hmm. I feel like do what you know, like tell the story you know, and that's the niche. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you'd mentioned equality ratings. Um, is is there a, is that you just Google that and figure it out? If somebody heard that, they just would go into search. The human rights campaign, HRC. Okay. Rate, rates many of the top organizations. So so smaller organizations in the Panjig world might not have it, but lo- you know it all depends on kind of the scope and scale of, of your brand and your in, and the company you're in. But yeah. many of them will have it at the larger levels, and that's something you you can look into and see what ratings are. Um, do your research. The other thing I would say, if, if you're in an organization that you love and they're not doing things like that, um, and you feel safe, you know, raise mm-hmm. your hand. Yeah. You know, like, hey, have we considered have we considered doing this or um, starting a group for uh, employees that are LGBTQ or people of color or whatever it may be. One of the things I learned in some of my experience is, you know, you can do and source what you know. You know, like I, I'm not going to start a female in business group. You right. know, like I will be an ally, I will be supportive, but I shouldn't be the face of that group, you know, as yeah. a white male, but I can do this. Sure. You know, I can st- show up for this and then really speak openly about my experience. So I think even if you're, if you're an organization that you love and they don't have these things, the visibility of just knowing in, in LGBTQ spaces, just visibility is so important. So like what we talked about before, you'll see if there's females or people of color, right? You visually will see it. With LGBTQ, unless it's somehow talked about, how do you know? Yeah. You know, how do you know you're, you're part of a group? Or you, how do you have, know that you have that tribe, you know, in, in your workplace? So if you don't and you are and you feel safe, that, that's where my space comes from. I have to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me. It might seem like it is. But, you know, there's times you're definitely in the day of like, I don't want to come out again. Like, yeah. you know, do I have to do this again? And, right. and then you have to pull, I pull myself up, hopefully by my bootstraps and say, if not you, who? Yeah, yeah. That's, and, you know, I, I, I think that it's funny because as you were talking about your COO, um, you know, the, the fact that my, you know, my personal background is, you know, I grew up in a very sort of like conservative Christian area and I am a, a an ordained minister, you know, an ordained Southern Baptist minister. And as, and as you and I have, have chatted, it's, I think what's so beautiful about what is happening, uh, there, there's, there's pain that is, is happening now, but what is, I'm hopeful is going to continue to be unearthed is is this is these kinds of conversations, these types of meetings where, you know, I, I think that what what people need to know is to not demonize. Uh, we shouldn't be demonizing other the other, you know, um, because number one, the other is not monolithic, 
And so yep. to assume so is is wrong. And to be willing to have these conversations in your workplace and, and to foster, especially if you're in a position of leadership, to be able to foster an openness, to be able to have that dialogue, uh, whether it's through mentorship or just through creating places where, where safe conversations can happen is so incredibly critical. So um, yeah, I think that's simple, tremendous right? advice. It, it seems simple. It's like simple, but not easy. Exactly. You know, like the, the concept's super simple, but like, like you're saying with our CEO, like him stopping me in the hall and saying, how's your husband? A simple mm -hmm. little thing like that, that yeah. you, if someone asked you how your wife was, you know, like would seem like not a big deal. That's a huge right. thing, but it's just without me giving him the chance of being visible, that would have never happened. Yeah. But there's risk. I mean, you, you are going out and saying, this is what I want to do, but hopefully there'll be a day where that isn't, uh, you know, there is no real even pause or stop when those things happen, but yeah. there's work to be done. And if, if sure. I always feel like if, if at least I know, like I have a place and this is the work to be done, I don't always love that that's the work to be done. But again, like if I'm not willing to do it, how can I be pissed at other people? Do you yeah. know, like, if I'm not going to show up, if I'm not going to march, if I'm not going to tell people who I am, you know, it's it's really hard to be the guy who sits in the corner and says, boy, I wish it would change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have two I have two more questions for you. So one yeah. is you had mentioned that your once you started to, uh, you know, stop self editing and you started to show up fully at work that you started to see not only promotions, but, uh, you know, as you were able to help solve some other problems. Um, I, I'm really curious about, you know, maybe not like, okay, it was this very specific problem, but sure. what what do you find when, it, when you overlap the packaging industry with your experience in the LGBTQ space that, that has, that has that has allowed your perspective to really shine either in enterprise solutions or in your consultative sales role specifically to packaging obviously because that's what we're focused <laughs> on here for it. yeah um you know one of the things i would say that that was really interesting to me is is in the sustainability space so um i was drawn to sustainability in packaging and i think part of it was it felt progressive to me like if I put a political stance on it. Um, and that resonated with me as an LGBTQ person because we there tends to be more people on the progressive side who are supportive. Yeah. And so when I allowed those two to overlap and start to have like real conversations about like how you organize. So like, because I had some background in our community um, center here in Milwaukee and was volunteering, I sat on boards in, in an LGBTQ community center. And I learned this skill set of like how to work with diverse topics and diverse people ah. that then I transferred into sitting on a sustainability meeting with a client where you had a finance person who maybe wasn't having it. Uh, mm -hmm. And you had a creative who loved to do it, but didn't know the substrate. And then you had a purchasing person who was concerned that we wouldn't be able to pull it off. Right. So, that experience of sitting in a committee and having to figure out something from scratch in the volunteer space gave me kind of the confidence to come into these other rooms and really understand diversity of thought in a team. 
mm-hmm. and hopefully then pull the best out of it without shutting it down. Yeah. So if you've ever been in a volunteer group meeting where everyone's there by choice and volunteering, and um, in the LGBTQ community, it's often they'll have um, quota, for lack of a better word, on some of the committees. So there's going to be a certain number of people of color, a certain number of lesbians, a certain number of trans, trans people, a certain number of gay men. And to, they, we really are very sensitive to having that uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in the best possible way. So when you're in those and everyone's there as a volunteer basis to get work done or to get projects done that help the community, you have to work together and collaborate with people with different thoughts. Right. Um, and so that was really very similar to people with different roles in an organization. So there's times you put an engine, put an engineer and put your creative director in the same room. Exactly. <laughs> you know? But yeah, but we still have to launch the product, right? That, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think for me, there was a real overlap from what I learned in the community organizing that I pulled in and I was open about where I learned it because people mm-hmm. would say to me like, wow, that was kind of cool how you did that. I'm like, oh, you should sit in one of these meetings. They're way tougher than this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like the, I, I was in a two hour volunteer meeting where we're trying to figure out a parking space for someone, <laughs> you know, like the, you want to talk about a difficult meeting. This, this is a piece of cake. We're going to figure it out. But That's I would have never done that or even talked about that. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so interesting because I've I've said very similar things regarding, you know, well, we've got a how are you really stressed about this particular project or, hey, you've got to have a hard conversation with this person. Is that going to be difficult? And I'm like, have you ever sat with a mom who is crying over her son being addicted to heroin? Have you ever gone to the poorest nation's? in the world and and sat with people who are crying talking to you you know like i've met with genocide orphans in rwanda yeah so so that experience for me from my pastoral background when i bring it into the packaging world it's so interesting that the 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 dual the duality it's like like, have, have you you know this this is not stressful to me like it's not it's not a i'm not i'm i'm we're going to, we're going to get through this. Yeah. Because... Perspective. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, we would always say like, you know, um, one of my mentors early on would say, you know, this is, this, we're not uh, heart surgeons here. You know, it's super important. It's super critical. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, this packaging project will lead to the next one and lead to the next one. Mm-hmm. It's the people we're working with that you're going to remember. Yeah. And he was lucky enough to retire last year. Um, amazing guy. 45 years in the industry. And I, I, I was able to talk to him and he said, I don't remember most of the projects. I remember certain ones. I remember Carol and Tyrone and Smitty. That's who I remember after 45 years. Yeah. And, and that was really to me, like, I'm, I'm thinking like, that's because you showed up, right? You, right. you recognize that the people uh, are what's doing in the packaging industry as much as you automate you still are going to have people at every mm-hmm. piece. And frankly, at the end of the day, isn't that more fun? Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, like totally. Just just getting to know people. And I we joke and, you know, the, have the packaging version of the office. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. Like, here's finance and here's HR. And, you know, like you, I could see it, you know, like yeah. I could totally see what that would look like in a packaging operation. I'll, I'll have to send you um, a, uh, I don't know if that's public or not, the, 
there, our company Fortis did a video, like an office mock video. Oh, so, cool! Uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Who, uh, who was your mentor, by the way? I would, I mean, it sounds like yeah. His his name was Tim Wayman. He is Tim Wayman, and he was um, the general manager and plant director of Beck Carton uh, Proteus Packaging. That that was what was acquired by Quad. Oh and, yeah. Yep, and so he he. This is I think a funny story, but so I was working in logistics second shift. Um, you know, filling trucks, you know, taking care of paperwork. And one day, and I had never, I'd seen him in like company meetings. He was the head of the company. You mm -hmm. know, I'd seen him in company meetings, didn't really know him. Uh, he called me for a meeting, like, and this is before email calendars. So, and, and, but then we did it like at an offsite, you know, we didn't do it like in our building. So I was like, what the heck is going on? And um, he was offering me a promotion and it was for a position that they were going to create that was going to displace some other positions. But he, he said to me, even and he didn't, I wasn't out at the time. He said to me, you know, like, I see something in you that I think we could do more with. Hmm. And I would tell you my whole career, he was the person who I could go to and say, how would you do this? Or how would you handle this? And to your point, a lot of it wasn't necessarily just packaging. Like, how do you get a STE to run on a lure? It wasn't necessarily always that. It was like, wow, Sarah's really having a tough time with this. And how have you done hmm. that in and that's the type of mentorship that I think meant the most. Yeah. And at some point, I think we just became good friends. Right. Which is you know, we could just shoot the shit, you know, be right. like, oh, do you believe this is going on? Like, what would you do? Right. Yeah. Oh, great, man. great guy. He's a great guy. He he left work the day he left work. He started working four days a week at Habitat Humanity. That's awesome. That's just who he is. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, well, I'm I'm happy that you got to even you know share a little bit about yeah. uh, about your mentor because that's that's incredible. Um, so last question, uh, as a as a self-described nerd, uh, maybe you can appreciate this one. So, uh, my kids, I have I have five tiny humans, and we are uh, well, we my children are big Harry Potter fanatics. Like, yep. you know, I. I have to admit, I didn't realize that they wrote books about the movies, um, but apparently, <laughs> apparently somebody watched the movies and thought they yeah. should write a book. Uh, but anyway, so you're given you're given this magic wand, and you have the power to fix anything about the packaging industry. Um, what what it doesn't have to just be one thing, obviously, but what's something that you just wish? you could you could magically make go away um you know and it could be sustainability it could be yep. you know culture like we've been talking about any any kind of topic it's your it's your magic wand you've got the <laughs> phoenix feather whatever it is it, and it, the, it is a phoenix that i would be okay. done for feather yeah oh my gosh okay so you are a yeah i i uh i have read and by read i mean i've listened on audible to one book <laughs> I read. <laughs> I, I I read one Harry Potter book. My kids literally. My my daughter. I think she's read all of them a couple of times. And we've been fortunate enough. We went to the studio tour together in London, and that was awesome. And I did that too. It was incredible. I the London studio tour. I it's, it was the best thing ever. My husband took us for our was our fifteenth anniversary. He surprised me. And okay. we were in London and did the tour and the, the just the models and the sets as a packaging guy. Oh my gosh! Right, looking what they built there is like, oh my god! It's like I know, the same thing. Hogwarts, it's... that Hogwarts that you walk around. Oh yeah, yeah. 
It was last summer that we went and saw that. And I was like, whoa, it this is phenomenal. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're giving Dumbledore's Phoenix Feather wand and you can fix something. Well, so what, what do you think that would be? My first thought is I would wave it over how we handle energy usage in our industry. And uh, without having to look at all the capital expenditure to change is all over, I would change over to renewable energy. You know, from a, I'm also a business person, so I understand profit and loss and, you know, how we need to look at that. But renewable energy and the reality of it, we know it's there. It's just how do we get to it and how do we change over an industry that's built very specifically a certain way. And I will tell you, leadership in packaging wants to do it. Yeah. But when you're when you're looking at quarter to quarter profitability and annual reports, where you fit that spend in, it'd be nice to just wave the wand and say, we're all retrofitted. Yeah. We solar, we're using wind. I mean, what an amazing thing. And I think we'll get there, but it'd be nice to kind of fast track that with magic. Yeah. If you could just do the wand and everything appears, yeah, that, yeah, would, yeah. that would be amazing. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I, I don't have the power to do that, but <laughs> I will. I will. If I did, I would bestow that upon. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, there was one one of my friends. We were talking about it, and I have like just personally, um, I have a fully electric vehicle, and I have solar panels in my house. And this person is, you know, like a, I, I've got a big diesel truck, and this is what it is, and very like independent, and the government doesn't own me. And I'm like, you realize that I drive a vehicle that is powered by the sun. And then I plug it back in and it gets repowered by the sun. I'm not dependent on anybody. You're yeah. dependent on this oil, you know, this company, this company, this company. So you take your libertarian independent streak on over to solar and electric. And I'll tell you what, you're going to find some friends here because yeah, I move, love the fact you move that to his face, you move yeah. to his face and, and, and see that instead of just fighting about like, this is the right thing to do. You were like this, you got that. He has a different set of shoes than you and got in them. Well, they're cowboy That's awesome. Well, Paul, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm so happy that you were able to come on yeah, the podcast you. and and share your story and uh, share about being a, a a packaging nerd and just a nerd in general. <laughs> and that's that's been great. So I appreciate uh, you being on. And uh, hopefully, we can uh, connect up uh, again down the road. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate the work you're doing.